Hey everyone, welcome back to Jesso Girls. It's been a hot minute. Um, just wanted to do a quick update over here. Um, this is Erin, and nothing is going on in my world right now, but Julia's had lots of her sleeves, so I wanted to let Julia take a quick moment and to kind of explain uh, her new little venture that she's working on. Yeah, so I am currently working on an artist accountability group, and the best way I can describe this group is I'm calling it AA for artists, basically. <laughs> so it's a support group for artists where we will also help each other stay accountable to our creative practices, so meaning that we will be more consistent. There also will be accountability partners that I'll assign in the group. There'll be a, a, a private Facebook group that we all have access to, so you'll have the ability to... Um, uh, get support with from, from one another like when we aren't just having meetings it's gonna be a really cool group and I'm really excited for just the amount of community that's gonna come out of it one of my goals for 2021 was to really grow that just not only for myself but also try to facilitate that in some way so that's kind of what this group is stemming from is that desire I know when I was fresh out of uh, college I felt like I was very much alone and I had a lot of questions I didn't know who to turn to and ask um, and I think there's also this at least I felt this way maybe this is not true but I felt like there's a little bit of this kind of mysteriousness that artists like to keep of like well this yes. is how I do my thing but I don't want to like you know keep the I'll keep my cards closed because I don't want anybody else to know how to do it like we're competing no against each other yeah. <laughs> versus like helping each other out and I found the more I talk to artists the more they actually are willing to share and happy to talk so I kind of want to get through that barrier of feeling like we all have to do it on our own all the time so stay tuned for that you can go follow this group on, at artist accountability group on Instagram and I will have updates there. I'm going to go live next uh, on Wednesday. So when this, when this episode comes out today, <laughs> you'll, I'm going live today <laughs> to be talking about the group, um, answer some of your questions and uh, share some, share some tips on how I stay accountable to my creative practice. So um, awesome. yeah, so it'll be cool. And I'll put more info for that in the show notes as well. Sorry, before we dive into that, I guess my question that I have and maybe the rest of the audience has. Um, who is this for? Is this, would you say, yeah. good for just Great question. the everyday artist? I so I think this is for anybody who wants to become more accountable and consistent in their creative practice. Yes, there will be some some lessons slash some, um, like I'm, I'm calling them assignments, but I mean like tips or challenges that'll be more geared towards people who want to maybe take art full time or make money from their art. But I think a lot of it, the majority of it is just going to be about sharing like where you get your best, like the best canvases, where you get a deal on certain things, like mm -hmm. just kind of like networking and helping each other out. So it will be, it's for any artist who wants to take their practice up a notch basically. Um, and it'll support like whatever level you're currently at. Um, because I think you know, if you want to get better at chess, like, you don't play somebody who's equally as good as you in chess, right? Like, you play yeah. somebody who's better than you so you can learn from it. So this group will kind of cater to Are you people. watching Queen's Gambit? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. And, like, you want, you want to, you want to be around other artists who maybe are, at, like, a slightly higher level than you so that you can learn from them. Um, and then also, you know, help people who are 
you know, air quotes behind if they want to, you know, maybe are a couple of steps behind you. So that's kind of what the group's about is just helping each other up the ladder together, essentially. Um, I love that. It yeah. reminds me actually of a yoga teacher training. Like, yeah. It was to, some people just use it to deepen their practice and understand it more. And others, you wanted the certification in order to teach. Um, I don't know if any of you are yogis out there. That yeah. was, I'm curious to see how many people paint and do yoga. I am so tentatively a yoga person. There for Christmas, I asked for like a new yoga mat and like a yoga bolster and everything to like deepen my practice. And like, I'm like, hey, now I just like sit, counts. now I just sit on the yoga bolster in my art studio because it's comfy. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, transitioning right. from the artist accountability group, I, speaking of artists, like at all levels, all different phases of life and also just ways of managing their creative life. I wanted to kind of take this episode to we t- interview Aaron a little bit because we talk a lot on here about being a full-time artist, but Aaron has a full-time job that is in advertising and also leads a creative life and has several side gigs. So I wanted to like talk to her about how she balances those and what's worked well for her. So I guess first question, and I was talking to Aaron about this before we started recording, it's just like what her (laughs) ideal of like, what is the ideal creative life for you? I mean, absolutely no limitations here, like whatever you could, your wildest dreams essentially. Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting to, uh, of a question because as an artist, my mind's always moving and it's changed drastically. Because if you asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have been saying where I am right now would have been my ideal creative life, would have been being successful in advertising, creating badass ads that are seen across the world. Um, but now for me, I've realized that's not as much as the most important thing in my creative practice and now i would say like my goal is to find to find and maintain a balance of understanding there's different types of creativity in my world in my life that i can use my advertising as a different outlet of creativity and then use my canvas as another outlet of creativity um i also have such a passion for just creative minds Uh, So I love working in collaboration and I think that's what's drawn me to advertising and kept me in advertising for so long is the resources and the group collaboration Um, to create the best work in advertising. It takes more than one brain. I'm not a copywriter. I can write, but I don't write like some of the people that I work with. They are so talented and it just brings the work to another level. And it kind of reminds me, Julia, of like what you're saying about your accountability group. Sometimes it's you got to work with better people in order to get yourself to that level. And I think advertising has given me that opportunity working with people and it's more acceptable as I hope it does become that way in the world of fine art that giving people the resources and the education and information that they need to be successful and not keeping it to yourself whereas that's an expectation in um, advertising your advertising you need your junior designers to become senior designers one day that's what's going to help create more work and better work but (laughs) I hope maybe five, 10 years from now to open some kind of creative space for all ages. Something that um, I grew up going to art, summer art school or summer art camp and stuff like that. And I wish that was more, and maybe it does exist because I don't have children, but I would love to even have that. Maybe that's not at a collegiate level that is as intimidating, but a resource for people in the city and make it a little bit more um, friendly. I know that there's a bunch of like 
there's like a website that you can go. I took a calligraphy class through it once, um, but I would love to like emphasize that in the cities a little bit more and reach out to people that at all walks of life to really show that like, what is the word? Creativity and art is not... It's, um, oh, I know what you're trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, it's inclusive and it's, um, you don't have to be a particular, like, socioeconomic level in order to, like, be able to have time to be creative. Exactly. And I think that's, for me, is, like, my goal for creative life is more about the creativity of helping others recognize it. And I think, I think a lot of it stems from my high school experience and younger. I had so many great teachers and educators that really pushed me into the space of art. Um, and I shouldn't not push as in encourage is probably a better word. I had them just encourage like, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Like as the future? And I was like, no, because why would I want to do that? I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know there was an option because I grew up in a family that was more traditional, um, finance, stuff like that, like numbers. That was more the thing. Science. Um, my mom was a zoologist. So like, <laughs> wait, how did I not know that? That's awesome. Your mom. <laughs> well, she hasn't worked. She she's my mom, and so she, she took on full time mom um, yeah. when we were all born. But she was um, in labs actually trying to figure out cancer, doing cancer research too. So like very sciencey, and my dad was very businessy. So like art was not art was a hobby. It was definitely just a hobby, and it was just a creative outlet and something I liked and loved, but didn't really see as a future. Um, as I was a big athlete also in school, but that seemed to have gotten a lot more attention was the athletics and competing at state than um, a drawing I had hanging in the hall. (laughs) So I think just really bringing that back to the forefront for everybody, I think would be helpful um, that people don't realize how competitive art school is uh, unless you're an artist. So I think it's just making people a little bit more aware of that and helping people tap into their creativity, especially I would love to really um, bring this space to underprivileged uh, areas that don't necessarily have the resources to have that creativity, but help some of these kids. I mean, art supplies are expensive. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, especially like like true art supplies um, are expensive. I mean, obviously you can go to a drugstore and get art supplies uh, but if Crayola, you are brands, exactly yeah. yeah and they're great but I know like as you get older you want to try new things and you know you you compare it's natural for a child to be like oh I want it to look professional so it's rare I leave Blick without spending a hundred dollars oh my gosh it's a rare day <laughs> Blick is like the target <laughs> for... well I hope you can open up a an art store or something <laughs> that is not Blick because I, the other day, and I think maybe this is partly because of the pandemic, but I was looking up, like, a, small, a smaller art store to go to because mm-hmm. I was looking for a specific thing that Blick didn't have in stock. So I was like, maybe there's another art store. And I yeah. and there was an art store I used to go to, and it's closed. And I was it was yeah. in the city, and I was like, I just think a lot of those, like, resources for artists, like you were talking about, um, a lot of those, like, smaller things, like, especially in the city, are just kind of going away because there's those big, like, conglomerates like Blick mm-hmm. or there's like really big I don't know like paint and sip like you know it's like more of a oh, yeah it's, less, it's more of like a social thing but it, there isn't as much of like a there's no in between there's, there's not, no like yeah. middle ground and there used to be and there still are yeah. in some communities these like like Northfield has like a Northfield where I'm yes. from like a Northfield art 
club or art mm-hmm. group association or whatever and like you pay to be artists pay to be a part of it like i know winnetka has like a really big one as yeah. well um and those are kind of dying off like with all the people that i know that are in those are like old people like not to be mean but like they are like the people who i, cause I tried to join off. one no. yeah like no literally like um <laughs> I tried to join one one time or people asked me about it and I would have been like the youngest person in that group by like 40 years practically at the time. Like everyone was 60 and up. And I was like, I just don't feel comfortable. Like it wasn't like my space. It wasn't my scene. And so I guess also what I want the artist accountability to what it sounds like your ideal too is like Mm -hmm. to kind of create that space for maybe younger people where it maybe isn't as like buttoned up as like the artist association of, you know, Northfield right. or whatever, but it could be, we can meet on, we can meet online and chat, or it could be a little more like low key, but really like a good resource for artists. But yeah, I mean, I think of just like having, I mean, who wouldn't dream of just having like a warehouse of just like resources galore to just create. Like, yeah, I think, I mean, there's a bigger shift in the world of or world that needs to happen even to make something like this really work well um and i think it's just bringing art back to the forefront i think people just need to understand the value of creativity and i think people really get stumped up on like just fine art and be like like there's just so much in fine art it's like the creativity it's not just a product and i think that's where people get lost and they just get focused in on like what are you making what am i going to do what is it for and i definitely feel that way all the time of like everything I have to, I create needs to be a means of selling it or in a finished mm-hmm. product. And it does, it does kill it. And I think it's really awesome that your ideal creative life, it sounds like is where it's not about the product, but it's about creativity in and of itself for the sake of being creative and also supporting and helping other people do that um, yeah. and have those resources. That brings me into like the whole advertising thing. And I think, um, advertising and what you're even saying with what you do is like your job is to create for a product and I think that's where I've found through oh my gosh eight years now um of advertising is like that's what I'm missing like I'm missing that space just for creativity and not just like for the product and I think that's where I'm like okay I love the product now and it's still something I'm proud of and I'm you know it's such a great feeling when I'm like that is a massive website that we just design produce and it's helping people but I also miss that little like okay just like I have I'm free-spirited I like have a artist's soul (laughs) so I I want that I want to be able to bring that to others too yeah and I think so how do you do you thrive the most when you are I mean you kind of just answered this but when you're creating (laughs) art on your own or for others and maybe when it's on your own let's pretend both have a means in yes. this scenario of like being a product okay like let's let's say um one is both of which would be like you're creating something to put out in the world and then sell or you are helping somebody else create something to put out in the world which do you prefer so i guess what i think of is so i am launching a clothing line this spring with my sister and i originally had planned on tackling it and doing it all on my own um and then it just was not fun i realized quickly i just even filing the papers for the like the legal stuff to have the business like establishing the business in illinois 
it's just not me. It's just not what I want to do. And I think that's where I have learned that I prefer to lean on others and as they can lean on me in my expertise. Um, so as much as an entrepreneurial mind I have, the entrepreneurial ship solo is very uncomfortable for me. Um, maybe one day I'll get there, but I am such, maybe it's just, I feel more comfortable with someone by my side. Um, but I can say I thrive in helping others make great work and working together to create something opposed to just creating something on my own. Yeah. You're more of a collaborator than a like, here, I'm going to go into my studio, make a product, and I'm going to come out with it and put it on the internet. Like, like me, like I'm yeah. more that way, where I would prefer yeah. to go make something on my own by myself, come out and put it on, and then someone, put it out there and someone buys it, and have that, versus, like, I like commissions. Like, commissions are really great for me to, like, yeah. branch out and do something I'm not normally used to. But if I had to be completely honest with you, I would, any day of the week, prefer to do my own thing <laughs> than yes. to, like paint your cat sorry like it just no, no julie and i were even talking about this before we started recording just kind of we were just talking about like my full-time job and how julia what took on a corporate role before and it just wasn't for her and just kind of like i asked her i was like what what made you want to go full-time artist like what was it that like for me because like sure like i think i don't know if that's for me right now or i thought maybe it was but then it's not because I do enjoy the advertising space and creating in a different way. Um, and then Julia did a great job explaining kind of like, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> no, truly. Like, I, I know I kind of, I, I like to make it sound a little more romantic than it actually was in terms of my decisions. Like, it's my passion and my love is, my, which is true. All true. Like, it is my passion. It's what I love to do. But to be honest with you, I just really don't like being told what to do. And I really don't like having somebody else dictate my schedule. I don't like being told that I have to be working at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. It's like, I'll work when I want to and I'll end when I want to. I like that ability, that freedom. And I'm sure everybody, you know, I'm sure anybody would say that they would like, they like that. But I'm somebody who, like, I actually mm-hmm. get, like, angry and angsty. <laughs> like, like I don't, I just really don't do well mm-hmm. when someone tells me what to do um, in a way that's, or it, when it, whenever it feels like arbitrary, if that makes sense, it's like it, when it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like I don't know. I guess I'm like a little bit of a rebel, where it's like if you tell me I have to start at 8 a.m., I want I'm, I, I want then I suddenly want to start at 9 a.m. You must have been such an easy child. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like I actually am a rule follower. So, so what's funny though is like I think I wasn't always this way. Like I I was very much a rule follower as a child mm-hmm. and I think that this is kind of just maybe that wasn't how I ever was supposed to be but because I think like as a girl too you're always supposed to be like the agreeable one you know like mm-hmm. and don't cause problems don't cause a problem and for me it's just like that just honestly isn't me at the end of the day like I prefer to do my own thing and mm-hmm. so I guess I've kind of just always like marched the beat of my own drum in that regard and also Another part of it too was like I truly hated coming home after my full ta- my full time job and working more. And my lifestyle, like how I like it, is I come home, I make dinner, I watch a TV show, I go to bed. <laughs> like that is ideal for me. <laughs> I don't like to work after five p.m. And I started. I was just starting to realize like, well, I can't be. I have to be a full time artist 
or else I just, or else I don't get to do art at all was kind of basically yeah. what it came down to in terms of my lifestyle. Cause like, mm-hmm. I just really hated working after 5 PM. And so yeah. I was like, okay, well, this is the choice and there's going to be some consequences for this choice. So it's going to be a little, be a little more challenging, but that's the lifestyle I prefer. I like being yeah. able to do my own thing and not working after five. So. And that's very fair. That so is- it's not a romantic reason. It's a very, yeah. it's all very selfish and kind of sounds a little bit, uh, but it shows yeah. that that's like there's a reason. I don't say reason for that's why there's just so many different levels of art and artists. Yeah. and you know some I mean, artists prefer to have a full time job and then have this be their yeah. nighttime hobby. That's oh, I had so many professors at NISAD that so I went to New England School of Art and Design originally, and uh, a lot of them were professors, but they also had their own galleries and exhibits um, outside of their professional profession of being a professor. Um, you know, for example, your professor who would prefer to maybe he liked being a teacher because there was a different aspect of it that he he or she enjoyed, and then but also being an artist too. So like you don't have to like pick one in order. Like me being a full time artist does not make me up on a altar like the best kind of artist. Like no, like I this I'm not necessarily a better artist because I do it full time. It just suits my lifestyle better. And for Aaron, like, you like collaborating, and then you make other space to create art. I think also, if we're being maybe honest, you can speak to this, like, having a full-time job that, you know, you that pays you with a salary, like you have, gives you then less pressure, it sounds like, to just be creative and not worry about, like, the end product. Like you said, you really, like, your ideal of the most creative life is, like, creating for the sake of creativity and having fun with it. Yeah, um, yeah so and I think that's you, why I have no problem painting over paintings multiple times because I'm like, meh, they're, they're not going anywhere. Um, maybe they will if someone sees and wants it. I'm not opposed to it. But um, from being in the space that I have been in for the past eight years with advertising, I've been fortunate enough to have budgets to create some really quality work. So when we're printing materials, it is on top quality paper and all that stuff. Whereas if I personally, because of this experience, I struggle printing things through online printing options. And I'm a paper snob, um, as I know a lot of artists are when it comes to canvases and whatnot, because it's all a matter of like the paper um, and what you're putting it on. And I think that's for me, because of that, it gives me a little bit more relaxation in the area of, for example, my greeting cards. There's a little bit of an investment to print 100 greeting cards that, let's be real, people aren't buying 100 greeting cards all the time. People buy a card on occasion. So like, I'm going to sit with that. I'm going to sit with those things for a long time. But for me, I would rather print a higher quality card and sit on it than print a bunch of cheap ones knowing, and I shouldn't say cheap because they're not necessarily cheap either, but printing a different quality in order to have a better turnaround and margin. It's less stressful, especially because you like to yeah. work with higher quality materials. Yeah, which makes sense. That's, which I get the luxury of not, I don't have to freak out too much about the dollar amount. Because I can tell you when I was unemployed, I was like, maybe I should just try it this way. And I tried it the other way. And I was like, I just, I, I can't do but like it. You're, yeah, you, you just are like, I have too high of standards, which is, which yeah. is awesome. And it's so like, like, I would write a bad review if this was bad. Right. And so like, I think for you, that's like, that makes a lot of sense. Like you, the financial aspect Throwing in the financial aspect for you just kind of, like, would really mess up your process um, in a lot of ways, I think. And 
and the way that you like to create versus like for me it's like I have to I kind of I don't really love that aspect either but I'm I've I've been willing to make that like sacrifice and be okay with it because I want the lifestyle that I want so it's like all about like the push and pull of like what you want and what makes most sense for you and I also the next question I wanted to ask you is like do you feel like Okay, so you have a lot of hobbies and interests, like greeting cards. Aaron's also a yoga instructor. You went back to school recently and we're learning how to sew and you have like a fashion line that you want to like do. So you have a lot of things that you do. But what I want to understand, I guess, is like what do you qualify as a hobby and what do you qualify as a career and how do you differentiate those two? It's a good question and it's a heavy question. So I'm going to try to do my best to answer it. Um, so I'm going to just give yoga as an example. Um, so yoga, I originally just loved yoga and fitness. This just was a personal passion of mine. And I am someone who's always eager to learn new things. And so from there, I started taking more classes. But then from there, I wanted to know why. Well, why am I doing this move? Why am I doing this? Why is this work for me, but not for her or him and whatnot? So then I got a certification in sculpt. So sculpt yoga, and from there, from sculpt yoga, I did boot camps, and then from there, I did yoga, and I then found through that, I never necessarily was like, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to teach others this, but I then realized I actually really enjoy that community and that feel and what I could do to help others um, that came natural to me, and that's really where, for me, yoga took off and why, like, I don't find teaching yoga a career for me. Like, I don't feel like I, I mean, though I am technically a professional yoga teacher. <laughs> yeah. I it was like I mean, deepening your practice, like you said, mm-hmm. versus about, become, you know, have it, rather than being the way you're going to pay your bills. Exactly. You're just like and a really a curious person and like want <laughs> yes. to. And so you are more like, for me, and maybe this is actually like, once else correct me if I'm wrong for me it's like if I do anything at all and if I decide I'm going to do it in like any kind of professional manner it's like okay I need to be like I have to go like all in and I have to make Mm -hmm. like money doing it if I Mm -hmm. if I or else it's like just purely a hobby I don't sell it I don't do anything like I feel like you kind of like teeter in between the two more like easily than I do where I get like I'm like ooh, as soon as I like start going down that road of it being like a professional thing it's like okay now I need to like really make it a business yeah and spend like a ton of time at it which is why like for example baking used to be like my I did that as like for a while Uh, when I was in high school I had a baking business (laughs) and I like went full-blown into that and now I I still bake and people have asked me like oh do you still do it as a business I'm like no no like it's either, like, it's, like, 100% or, or nothing for me. So, like, I guess I just find that interesting. Like, does it get stressful for you to have all those different hobbies that, like, teeter on the edge of being career, like, st- like steps it or launches, be. you know? Like yeah, businesses. it definitely can be um, stressful. But I can also say it's taught me a lot of what I – it's helped me realize what's important to me and my what I value. And sometimes you don't know it until you try it. Um, for example, this is, goes back to high school, but in high school I was a soccer player and then I decided I didn't want to play soccer and I was like, oh, I can run. So maybe I'll do, try track. So I tried, I did track and then my coach was like, Hey, like you also dance competitively. Like maybe you'd be good at pole vaulting because you have the coordination. And I was like, 
sure, why not? I'll try it. And I tried it. And I was at first, I was like, and then I fell in love with it. So it's like, if no one had, if I hadn't tried it, I would never have known I would have liked it or not liked it. Um, And so I think I do have a very curious mind. And I think that's why I try all these different things because maybe I, I don't know if maybe this could be like so deep and like, I just don't know what I like or what I don't like until I've experienced it. I think that's probably a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And you're somebody who's actually like, I'll do it. Like versus some people be like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. what if I'm really bad at it? And you're like, I don't know yet. So I'll try. Try. Versus like assuming you'll be bad at it or that it won't work. Like you're, you just kind of go into it with the assumption of like, you could like it a lot. So yeah. you should try it. Yeah. I've read a book that it always talked about like preparing yourself for either outcome. So you go in and ask your boss for a raise. They say, no. Okay. How are you going to respond? Or they say, yes. How are you going to respond? So prepare yourself for those things. So I never, I mean, maybe it's like, I just try not to take things too seriously um, or I try prepare, not to you too- prepare for the best just as much as you prepare for the worst. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't live in like the dark, like, oh no, like I'm going to take this training and be awful and da da da. But I can say through these experiences, I would never have known that I enjoyed teaching yoga. I knew I liked take like practicing yoga, but I never thought that I would have enjoyed teaching it because I can tell you, I was like a nervous ninny for like months when I first got my certification I was like oh my god people are gonna they want me to speak out loud and I gotta direct them and it took me so long to get my confidence in that space but then I realized like there was a woman who came to my class for a first day and it was a yoga sculpt class so it can be intimidating these classes and she hadn't she's like I don't know if I can lift any of the weights and I was like, okay don't worry like don't use any just do your thing and four months later she lifting the heaviest weights in the class like it was just such a fulfilling like feeling to know like uh, I mean obviously like I didn't do the work it was all her right but that you kind of really like saw her through that journey yeah and so that's a really cool experience like once again you can apply then that experience to like for example now we have a podcast you have to talk Mm -hmm. and well in a weird way podcasting is not public speaking I mean it's like later broadcasted (laughs) but it's like it's in a way it's like practicing public speaking and also you know having people like hear your words and hear your voice um, Mm -hmm. and instructing people. Like you said, maybe in the future, you'd love to do something where you teach or advise or help other people. So it's like all these things eventually will inform each other. But when you take the pressure off of like, this has to be the, like this hobby that I'm choosing to maybe take a little bit further has to be like the end all be all. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. let's just touch it, try it. And then see if it turns in anything. And if not, it'll just inform the next decision that you make. Exactly. And I yeah. do think, like, obviously, like, getting certifi- certifications and whatnot is costly. But I try to think of it's, like, I'm investing in myself. So I'm not necessarily investing in whatever company that's leading it. But it's, like, okay, these are tools that are going to make me a better person or better self. And I know there was actually a woman in one of my classes who was a terrible public speaker terrified she would get up there just sweating and shaking and her company paid for her to go through a yoga training class because it pushed her out of her comfort zone Interesting. and helped her i know i thought i was like what company is this yeah it's like phenomenal. where can i join yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's but like that's a corporate just, job i would like it sounds exactly like. right <laughs> but it's just thinking about like oh like all these things like thinking about I'm sure, Julia, you learn stuff at your corporate job that either you yeah. learn that you don't want that ever or you yeah, I learned, never I learned, learned something um, like that. <laughs> and I learned what not to do as, as a manager of people 
And that honestly, is that is honestly probably sometimes more valuable oh, than having 100%. a really good boss because it's like the really good boss is like usually so good you don't even realize that mm-hmm. they're good until you leave until them and then one. you get to a bad yeah. boss. But when you have a bad boss, you're like, whoa, like now I know like how I don't want to be treated in an office and how if I ever do hire somebody to work for me, like absolutely what not to do. So that's inv- that's invaluable in my mind. Um, and oh, yeah. so even the bad experiences. Totally even the bad experiences can be like helpful and and you you have too like we've all oh yeah we all have but i've got eaten the pieces and teaching i mean in painting and art like anything you name it there's been bad days and then i and i've gone home crying or like or maybe like like, failed. it didn't feel like the money you invested in that training like paid off in that time or like maybe you initially had it. a dream like me i will be a full-time yoga instructor and then yeah. a pandemic hits and then it's like yeah. no in-person training teaching and so like these this stuff does happen but there's always some like nugget of value that comes from it and I guess my so my next question too is when you have ever decided to like take something to that next step of being more of a business than a hobby and um how do you manage the two like a full-time job mm-hmm. in advertising and a hobby uh, not a hobby excuse me and a side gig like yeah. how do you balance those two like for me I hated working after 5 yeah. p.m like do you work after 5 p.m do you work on the weekends or like what what does that look like for you so I think it's complicated for me because the past like so I because I got sick three years ago and I've been it's been a journey of recovering and so I haven't really been socially out there and going to bars and didn't not as active in the social aspect of my life so I had it's kind of like what else do I have to do so I'd find ways to keep myself busy and preoccupied and not feel like I was missing out on everything um so I think that's where it's a little bit different for me but so I have no problem working all the time yeah (laughs) um but I can say for me you probably work wake up a lot earlier than than most of us on Saturday yes (laughs) it's also two dogs that were like 6 30 let's go yeah um but for me, it's kind of like making sure I feel like I'm always like don't really know until I get far enough into it. So, for example, like I'm just going to use like my current life. Like right now, um, I'm working in advertising full time. It's love it. Absolutely love it. And then I'm obviously I'm a greeting cards, but that's a little bit more like just there because Etsy handles all of it. <laughs> Besides, I ship it out. Um, so it's not a made to order. It's made stuff in bulk so it's just a shipping process so it's not terribly time consuming um but the clothing line we're actually we got our products monday um for our first round of samples and then we'll figure out how we want to uh adjust things in order to then pitch to our manufacturers get our manufacturers to do a couple runs to make sure it's the quality that we want um and i'm trying to keep in mind like I'm doing this because I love fashion and I love creating and it's something that I've always wanted to do but never had the guts to do it. And then when I was unemployed this summer, I just my mind was thinking, what do I want to do? What do I not want to do? And then I took some fashion classes at the Art Institute and realized, you know what, I really like this. And it also made me realize I don't have to be the world's best sewer to be successful in fashion. No. Some people may disagree with me on that and I, I know people work really I've... hard and... I don't want to interrupt you at all, but like, the, yeah. <laughs> but I've heard of, I've heard so many stories. I just got excited when you said that because I've heard so many stories yeah. about really famous, like, um, like MM Lafleur, Lef- 
I can't think of what her name is right now. But she's, like, one of, like, the top, mm-hmm. like, women's um, kind of, like, workplace fashion people. Like, mm-hmm. Michelle Obama wears her clothes now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Her clothes are beautiful and, like, really practical for the workplace. And so her experience, she was working on, like, Wall Street and just could not find clothes that she liked that, like, felt professional enough, Mm -hmm. felt, like, but also cute. You could, like, transition to after work. And she was, like, didn't know how to sew. She worked for on Wall Street. Like, had no (laughs) idea, but she found somebody who she liked, who she hired to, like, make this for her. Now she has, like, she's obviously has since learned a lot through the, through the doing, but she had the idea. She knew what she wanted, what she liked, and she now makes, that's her full-time job, and she makes, like, millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. I mean, maybe, hopefully that'll be me, but, (laughs) but I think that's, but I think that's where we all learn, like, I always had that mentality a long time ago. It's changed, like, that I had to be the expert. Like, in order for me to deserve the title, I had to be the expert. So, in order, so I would have said, like, if someone was like, oh, are you a full time artist? I would have had to been able to prove it to them with, like, I don't know, oh, I painted a mural in Boston and this and this. And so that defends my title, which I've realized you don't need to do that. And I have a phenomenal CEO right now who has been running this agency for 20 plus years. 25 plus years and he will say he said that when he started the company out he did everything on his own and it didn't they stayed at a b level he said it wasn't until i realized i had to hire in people smarter than me to make the company an a level and listening to him talk about that i was just like this man is so inspiring um every time he talks i was like i'm like you're so right like it's so easy to get caught up in like I can't, like, don't do that, or I can do it on my own, or whatever, and he even said that originally, he had the mentality that if I had to hire people, they were an expense, but now he sees it as an investment, and I think that really helped shape where I'm going with my future and career and creativity, is I've invested in this woman who, this is what she wants to do full-time, she's a pattern maker, she works with me, she collaborates, she's, um, I don't want to say she's a stay-at-home mom, but like she's got a family and she wants to be able to work at home and still be able to take care of her family. And this job allows her to do it. I'm not her only client. Um, she's got lots of clients, but I did my due diligence and research to try to find who I thought was going to be best suited for my needs and be collaborative and small. And I didn't want to go to a big agency. Yeah. I wanted to like make it more of a personal connection. They would probably charge you oh my like gosh. a ton more. Yes, yeah. I went through that. And then they're like, oh, here's this for this call. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, it's like advertising. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's just like understanding your strengths and weaknesses and not, and being okay with having those weaknesses and outsourcing, and outsourcing so them. that you can balance the gig exactly and, and the main gig. Cause like, and I think that that maybe was part of my problem with what it was I was doing, like art and painting is a high touch yes. thing. It, it, it kind of has to be. I, I've tried <laughs> to, like, I, I've tried Pass my best to think of ways to outsource this, but, like, there's just no way to outsource. I've tried my best to, like, have somebody else, like, paint my canvases before. Mm-hmm. Like, not paint, no. Prime, yeah. not paint my canvases. I do not outsource who makes my art. I mean, to prime my canvases or, like, build my canvas, the structure bars, yeah. whatever. I can do that. But when it comes to the actual, like, painting oh, of yeah. what I do, it's, like, it's high touch. I have to be there. And so that was... The nature of what I was doing was just really hard Didn't to allow balance. For both. With yeah, it just was really hard, and I'm sure there's other ways I could have sacrificed, like you know, sacrificed on that and been like, oh okay, I'll do more prints or I'll do 
more like quicker style mm-hmm. or whatever. But, that's but not I was like, your, I just didn't yeah, that's not you. Yeah, I wasn't willing to do that. But I think I really like what you were saying about how like you know your weaknesses, you know when it's best to like outsource to the expert so that you know because you don't have as much time as somebody else does yeah. who's maybe just deciding to do it full time. So and you you're lucky because you also have another full time exactly. job where you it can also me. put a little bit more money into yep. it too um, from that. And that was yeah, a big really driving like, factor for me to go back yeah. to agency life because I was like, if I want to be able to make this dream reality, it's going to source your other things. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I need to have a. For me, it makes me feel more comfortable having a consistent income. And obviously, during these days, I mean, I was like, hey, maybe I'll go pick up, teach more classes, or pick up a go work at a coffee shop or something. Like, I have no care. No, I don't. Doesn't matter what it is, but how do you see yourself transitioning from in the future? Because we've talked about mm-hmm. this. Eventually, maybe you want to have like your own business or have the side gig become the full time gig. How do you foresee that happening? Do you or do you want it to happen at all? I do. I definitely do want yeah. it. Or I today I want it. I would say yeah. for the future. I've learned for my comfort baby steps. I think I. Although I have to say, like, sometimes I need a little bit of a push to take the risks. Um, But I think for me, like, my plan is, like, I have no intent on leaving advertising anytime soon, but maybe in the next five years where I feel comfortable that I've, like, you know, made a pretty solid career in advertising that would put me almost at 15 years. Not quite, but, I mean, it would put me in that space for a really long time, and I also find that all the knowledge that I can learn during my experience will help me at my next role um, of running something or, I don't know, I mean, I would hope to kind of not have to worry about um, the health insurance and all those things that keep me in the corporate field right now, whereas I can, you know, pursue something that I have a little bit more passion for. And that's kind of where I think slowly and surely, but surely I'll get there. Um, But I think it's just taking one day at a time and seeing how it nets out because, hey, I may launch this clothing line and then realize... It takes off. You're like the next <laughs> Or it doesn't. And then I'm like... Or it doesn't. But I've yeah. also prepared myself. I'm like, you know what? I told my sister, I was like, at least I can say I did it. I can at least be like, you know what? When I have children one day, I can be like, yeah, one day I decided I was just going to start a fashion line. Call me crazy. But like, that's very much my personality. And sometimes I struggle. And I think, Julia, you would probably be very similar too. Is like, people get stuck in these ruts. So like for you, like you left your job. You were like, you know what? I'm just done. And I respect that because I'm someone too. I'm like, if you are miserable, why are you staying in that miserable situation? I know easier said than done, but that's where I'm at. I'm like, you know what? I'm a doer. Like I am an action oriented person. I don't just sit and think about it. I you always have an exit plan <laughs> yeah. and like and like something else that you could be going off and doing, which I think is really smart and maybe also prevents the burnout because yeah. it's like you change it up for yourself and it's like, okay, well, if this fails, like I'm not so attached to it because I've got this other thing I'm working yeah. on over here. I mean, I even so tried like macrame there's... this summer and I can tell you it was not for me. I thought it was going to be much cooler. I mean, it is cool for those that really have taken the time to perfect it. But I was like, yeah, no, not for me. Not your it thing. It just did not, not look thing. like what I wanted it to look like. Yeah. But I was and okay so with I it. just think it's, I think an interesting, like, in, like, to sum it up, like, it's, you know, the way it sounds like you've balanced your side gig and also potentially, like, you know, the transition 
from one to mm-hmm. the other is outsourcing as much as possible, like yeah. admitting what you don't know. Yep. And then also, you know, always keeping your options open yes. and being open open to pivoting because as you've seen, like even the things that fail or the yes. things that don't turn out the way you thought, you learn something in the process or required a new skill that is transferable to something else. Yeah, and I think that's the Um, biggest thing is people fear failure, but I find failure and mistakes to be growth. Um, Don't get me wrong, it's taken me a very long time to get to that perspective, Um, but I think that's what holds a lot of people back. They're afraid to that a pivot is a failure, and I would say, no, it's not. It's like, good for you. You acknowledge that this wasn't for you or it, it wasn't... Um, I mean, Julia, can you imagine if you didn't didn't realize that your last job wasn't what you wanted to do until five years later? That sounds yeah. awful. <laughs> that's I would yeah. be like, I feel so yeah. bad it took that long because that's five years of so much you could have done. Um, right. I mean, you were very fortunate to discover and that, was, that. That was what I felt. That's what I. That's what I feared and what I was feeling as mm-hmm. well. I was like. I, I could see myself getting into like in the next role, the next role. And even like, I actually was applying and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, interviewing for other roles. Mm-hmm. Like but after my, I left my job. Cause I was like, maybe I should just continue yeah. on in this way. And uh, so you're at I realized, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> right. Insurance, yeah. Yeah. It was an insurance. And I, now I'm like, la- I laugh at the idea of myself in insurance. But, hey, but now, you know, now I know, but the thing is, is that if I had waited, I know it, it was kind of like an inevitable thing for me. Like, I know my personality and who I am and what I like to be doing the best. And so I think it all just comes back down to is like lifestyle. And, it, you know, for me, it's like I kind of like to hunker down into one thing yep. and like really take it as far as I can um, and want to and then expand on something versus like, you know, your errant sounds like your preference is to like explore a lot of different things at once. Yep. <laughs> and then figure it out. Like I guess I kind of go down the route of like I think I need to be the expert, mm-hmm. I guess. Or like or I like that. Yes. I like becoming like that slow process becoming an expert versus you're more like I don't need to be the expert. I just need to have the idea mm-hmm. and I can find the people to help mm-hmm. me make it happen. And um, along the way I become an expert in my own the way, expert, if that makes yeah. sense. Like yoga is... Of course. Like, I may not be able to do all the crazy moves, but I can coach someone through it. So it's just... I think that's where I... Like I had a pole vault coach. He had never pole vaulted in his life, but he was a phenomenal coach. Like just because you can't do it doesn't mean you can't teach it or vice versa. So I think it's just like keeping that in mind for everyone um, that there's no true answer. And it's just your... Com- like you said, it's your comfort level. It's your lifestyle. Um, and what, and four years from now, it can completely change. Like, I might be like, you know what? I, I mean, I am taking sewing classes because I do want to understand the sewing, but I do understand I didn't start sewing at age 12, so I'm not going to be the world's master sewer, but I can at least understand it and communicate the information properly. Yeah, exactly. And you can learn a lot from your mistakes and and like I said, there's no, there's no, it's never too late as well to like begin mm-hmm. or learn something new, which is, I think is what you've demonstrated so beautifully is like, you just like keep on picking up new things and trying new yeah. things and, you know, you, you just to see what sticks. Was it old dogs can't learn new tricks? Old dogs can learn new <laughs> you tricks. You are very far <laughs> from an old dog, but you know. But I, I'm not an old dog, but. 
very far from that. Thank but goodness. hey, I, I admire like your ability and willingness to always like invest in yourself and learn new things, which I think is a really valuable um, skill and also just like good life sense. And I wish I honestly should do it more um, is like try to branch out from just hunting and do other things. Yeah, you will. Don't you um, worry. Oh, yeah. A few years on there. So it took me time to get there. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, thank you, Aaron, for letting me interrogate you a little bit today on your (laughs) how you balance life and everything. And I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I think it was just fun to walk through how how creative people can make their creative life work and how no one's looks the same because we are creative people and no way of leading your life as creative is like better than another or um if anything like my way of being creative might be like your worst nightmare and the Aaron's like way of having like a full-time job and then doing art might be like absolutely yeah my worst or absolutely your like cup of tea and so it just really depends and um yeah so if you guys are also I want I want to plug this we are looking for new guests for our uh, show. Mm-hmm. So if you are an artist um, of any sort, feel free to um, DM us on Jesso Girls or email us at jessogirls at gmail.com too. And we are, because yeah, we're looking for guests for 2021. So um, with that, Erin, any, any Hit us else? up. Hit us up. Yep. Hit us All up. right. Awesome. We'll see talk you to you guys week. soon and see you next week.